In the book of Psalm, chapter 69, we get a good lesson on prayer because here we see uh, David just pouring his heart out to God in this super real, super raw way. I don't know if you've ever done that before. But what's so interesting about Psalm 69 is this progression that we kind of see that's happening. You see, first David, he starts off by, by bringing his, peti- his, pe- his petition to God in a very vertical sort of relationship. This is me crying out to God. And then that vertical uh, plea is sort of reversed. It does a 180. And now David brings it into himself in a very real way. From there, it goes out to this horizontal type of prayer as, as, as David begins to think about how this affects other people around him. And David ends it in worship because a proper response to spending time with God, I think it should always end in worship. You know, so many times in prayer, I want to make it all about me. I want to make it all about Mark. And uh, what I'll do is I'll bring my issues, I'll bring my quarrels to God, and I want to end it with, but somehow in this, Mark is the hero, right? Somehow Mark comes out on top. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. Uh, If you find yourself wanting to be the hero of your own story. Well, you know, I I, I teach kids, you know, obviously, and uh, I I always, you know, all the Bible stories about all the different Bible heroes, whether it's King David uh, slaying the giant, whether it's, and then cutting off his head, that's a fun part, you know, whether it's Noah building a great big boat when no one believed in him, or Samson with his strength as as, as he's fighting for the Lord, or perhaps it's the Judge Deborah. You know, perhaps it's uh, per- perhaps it's one of the, one of the impossible. But we, we we think of all these heroes, and yet Scripture is full of all of their mistakes. Like no sooner is somebody introduced in Scripture who might be a hero of the faith than we see their shortcomings and their failings. Because here's the truth about the Bible: there is one hero, and that one he- hero is Jesus. Jesus is the hero of the Bible. We need to remember that. And so even in our prayer life, ending it in a place of worship, remembering I'm never going to be the hero in this life. It's always going to come back to Jesus. Well, well, let's jump in here to Psalm 69 and see how this is real for, for David. He says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Have you ever been in a situation where you've just felt so overwhelmed with life? It's like you're gasping for air. I remember one time I, I, I was literally gasping for air uh, because I was at a friend's house as a kid and I was told not to go running around the swimming pool. And so, of course, we went running around the swimming pool and I fell in, didn't know how to swim. And I, I remember just like going under the water and then up the water. I don't know, buoyancy, I guess. I don't know, something science. Uh, you probably know. Uh, but I kept going up and down, not knowing how to swim. And I was throwing my arms everywhere. But I remember every time I, my head would come up out of the water, my breasts would get more desperate as I got more and more panicked, you know, and, and I didn't die that day, believe it or not. I did get out of that swimming pool, man. It was okay. But I remember that feeling of desperation. Sometimes in life when we just lose sense of hope, we can relate to that feeling of desperation as if the waters are coming up to our neck. And then, and then, and then David writes, I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes go dim with waiting for my God. Such powerful word pictures there, right? The weariness. I'm crying out, but I'm getting no answer. And I'm crying out, I'm getting no answer. And now my throat is so dry, I literally can't cry out anymore. 
Maybe you've been there as a parent. Maybe you have said something to your kids so many times that you're like, I'm literally losing my voice telling you not to do this thing, you know? And then he says his eyes grow dim. He's even losing eyesight because he's been waiting for God so long that the years are even passing by, right? But now, I'll go in here. Verse 4 says, says, more, more, more in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. David is feeling a lot of problems. But everything shifts here about verse 5 because this is when the shift goes back down to David. It says, Oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. You see, David makes it real. David says that, that, that this, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that he has some responsibility in all of this. David hasn't been perfect. And if we're honest when we pray to God, like we realize the fact, like I'm not perfect. There are things that I've done that I need to confess to God who says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like I've done some things. I need to confess some things, right? And then he sort of makes this horizontal kind of focus where he's thinking about how do his sins affect other people. He says, let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. O Lord God of hosts, let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me. David's saying, I don't want to blow it for, for, for other people as well. I don't know if you've ever felt something like that. Well, the psalm continues, but here at the end, I love how it ends in a place of worship. If I jump down here to verse 32, it says, When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. That's what God does. When we bring our prayers to God, when we bring Him our brokenness, our sadness, our tears, He revives us. He breathes life into our souls. He breathes life into our spirits. God's not done with you yet. As far gone as you may feel today, God still has a plan and a purpose for your life, and He's in the business of redeeming things that get lost sometimes. And maybe that applies to you. It says, For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise His own people who are prisoners. There's a very real sense of being a prisoner in life, but we can also be, be, be spiritually serious. You know, Paul said that whatever sin we commit, we make that sin a master over us. There are sins that we've committed, right? right? That we become a slave to sin. Well, Jesus says that he comes to rescue the prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah. Zion's a cool picture because uh, all of Israel was built on the mountain. And that mountain was called Zion. It was called the mountain of God, right? And so he's saying that, that all of God's people, they, they could be called people who reside on, on what he calls Zion, right? And so God says that you're part of his people. He loves you and God's not done with you yet. And that might be a good message for you today. Know that God is not done with you yet. But when you bring your prayer to God, dude, just bring yourself to a point of worship and find your entire outlook, your, enti your entire situation radically changed in a minute, in a heartbeat, in a prayer. Well, hey, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.